What does a true response to the message of the kingdom look like? What does it look like to take hold of the kingdom, to enter, to belong? What is the nature of an authentic response? Well, here's what it looks like, says Jesus. Welcome to Encounter the Truth with Jonathan Griffiths. We're in a series entitled Living as Kingdom People. And today, as we open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 13, we're looking at a true kingdom response. Now, Jonathan, I don't want to have you give away, you know, the the big point of this message here. So as we begin this time together, as we wrap up this series, what would you like us to be thinking about as we begin today's message? I think it's very easy for us to be half-hearted about so many things we are involved in in our lives, you know, to be to be sort of partway in and, and to put a little bit of our energy and our attention and our heart into things that we're involved in. And Jesus, he, he wants us to know that if we've really understood the message of the gospel— it will grip our heart in such a way that he will become everything for us and we will be all in. It is a wholehearted response that Jesus is looking for. I won't say more. I won't give away the message now, but I think it's something we need to hear. And this is a message for us in our day. All right. So let's do that. Let's uh, go to Matthew chapter 13 and begin the message. True kingdom response. Here is Jonathan. I don't know if you've ever been in this kind of a situation before. I'm sure you have. You, you try to make a significant purchase or you try to maybe book a flight if you remember doing that or sign up for some kind of a program or submit an important application or a form for something. And you, you do this online. You go through all the details. Maybe you, you put in your credit card information and having spent some time on this thing, you then hit submit or buy, or finalize, or purchase, or whatever, and you see a little spinning wheel, or an hourglass, or whatever it is, but you never quite know if the thing actually went through. Ever have that happen? And you think, do I start again? Do I pay for it twice? What do I do? Did I sign up? Did I make the purchase? Did it actually register at head office, wherever head office is? How can I know? How can I be sure? Today we consider together what it looks like to make a true response, a valid response, an authentic response, a response that really counts to the message of the kingdom, to the gospel, of Jesus Christ. Throughout this section of Matthew's gospel, we've been considering the reality of divided responses to Jesus Christ, to his works and to his message. Despite the wonder of his works, despite the graciousness of his words, despite the fact that Jesus comes as the self-evident fulfillment of the Old Testament promises, the crowd, as we see, is divided about him. And the religious leaders, the movers and shakers, they outrightly reject him. Jesus has been teaching us very carefully to expect this kind of division of response. He has taught us that in the judgment to come, everything will be made clear. There will be joy for those who receive him. There will be terrible loss to those who reject him. 
And with all this in mind, the important question comes to the fore. What will a true response, an authentic response, an acceptable response, what will that look like? What will it mean to respond rightly, appropriately, and from the heart to Jesus Christ, to His message, to His Word? Now, in two parables, Jesus illustrates for us here in a way that really hits home to the heart, I think. He illustrates for us what authentic response looks like. He teaches us that true kingdom response, first of all, means seeing the value of the kingdom. Verse 44, we've seen it. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. We imagine, don't we, a farm laborer, a hired hand. He's out in the field tilling the soil, perhaps, and the, the tip of his shovel or the end of his rake clangs upon something a bit more solid than the rest. He clears away some stone and some soil, and sure enough, there is a box of some kind. He opens it up, and to his stunned amazement, the contents glitter, and the contents gleam its treasure without doubt or mistake, real treasure, valuable treasure. Now, hiding treasure in a field might seem like a rather odd thing for us to do. Today, it might sound like an outlandish thing to our ears. Why not just, you know, pop over to the bank and get your valuables put into a safe deposit box. Why not just deposit the cash in your account? But in the days before banks the ground is not a bad place to hide your treasure and to keep it safe from thieves. Tuck it away where it is unlikely to be uncovered, unlikely to be found. And so it wasn't totally fanciful to think of unearthing treasure in a field. Perhaps someone buried it years and years before, even before this ground was farmed, and then forgot about it or died before retrieving it. And this farmhand now, having found this treasure in the field, he now needed to think through. He need, needed to figure out, how do I secure that treasure? He thinks quickly, shrewdly. And he covers it up. There might have been a contest as to who rightfully owned it at this point. The owner of the field, well, he certainly would have laid claim. And this farmhand as the finder of the treasure. He would have laid claim. And so this man, he did something strategic. He removed all ambiguity of ownership through purchasing the fields. Now, as someone who has been working a field belonging to someone else, as a farm laborer, this was presumably no small feat for him to make this purchase. This is a major financial challenge. But he is energized, and he is enthused. He is full of joy, Jesus says. And without pausing for thought, in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has, and he buys that fields. And we need to just let the weight of that sink in, the enormity for this man. He is a worker, a man of modest means, buying a piece of real estate that had clearly not been within easy reach for him. But he sold everything. The old pickup truck, the TV, 
Maybe he had a smartphone. Well, not in his day. The furniture that he was given by his grandparents, the record collection, the old ATV out back, everything that he had at his modest home except the clothes on his back. It's all on Kijiji. It's all on eBay. It's on the front lawn with a for sale sign attached to it, and he takes the pile of scrunched up 20s and 50s that he's collected. He goes to the owner of the field. He slaps them down on the desk, and he says, I want to buy that field. The owner sees that it's a, a fair price that this man has gathered, that he's raised. He, he willingly signs over the deed, and the field with its treasure now belongs to this man. It's cost him everything he has, but it has gained him far more than he ever had before. That's the first parable. That's the first story, the first image. Now we move along the socioeconomic spectrum to the middle class person, not a worker now, a merchant who deals not in soil and rocks and dirt, but in perhaps the finest luxury item known to the ancient world, pearls. And not just any pearls, run-of-the-mill pearls, fine pearls, expensive pearls, pearls of value and excellence. The merchant's clients and customers are the wealthy, the elite, the shop front of this merchant. It's at the best address in town. He knows about money. He knows about luxury. It is his currency. It is his trade. He searches, Jesus tells us, for fine pearls. That's what he looks for. This isn't the Walmart or the Costco jewelry desk. This is Tiffany & Co. This is Cartier, Chopard, Bulgari. This merchant, he is the real deal in town. Pearls in the ancient world, they weren't manufactured or farmed. They were found. Divers would go down in search of them. Frequently, they might find small or gritty or misshapen pearls, but just occasionally, maybe just once in a lifetime, they would find a truly beautiful pearl, perfect in shape and in color, in luster, in uniformity of finish. And on this day, on this occasion, the merchant has found one in the marketplace that Jesus says is of great value. This one is special. It's a large pearl, a flawless pearl, with a depth of color and consistency of tone and beauty of luster that is rarely seen. His eye is drawn in. This is a deep well of beauty, this pearl. This merchant, he's been dealing in fine pearls for a long time, but maybe he's never seen one quite like this one. He's been buying and selling, we might imagine, for many years, but he knows something special when he sees it. He's an expert. He knows that this is a one-in-a-million pearl, a rarity, a treasure. And so now this merchant, he goes and he does what the farm laborer did. It's the same thing. He sells all that he has and buys that pearl. For a merchant, maybe a successful merchant, selling all that he has probably looked rather different from what it looked like for the subsistence laborer in the field. Perhaps he called his broker in New York 
and told him, sell off the whole portfolio on the markets. Perhaps he called the real estate agent and said, look, sell, sell the house, the cottage, the office, the retail locations, sell it all. The BMW and the Jag, they went back to the dealer for whatever he could get on trade. And all the jewels in stock, diamonds, pearls, rubies, sapphires, all sold in bulk as quick as he could. And the money is raised in a short space of time, maybe 24 hours, 48 hours, hundreds of thousands, perhaps millions of dollars, and that pearl, it is purchased, it has cost everything. But this merchant, he knows his business. He has gained far more than he ever gave up. And Jesus says, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. This is what it looks like when you find the kingdom, when you make a response to the kingdom, you sell everything that you may take hold of the greatest treasure of all. Jonathan Griffiths here on Encounter the Truth, a message called True Kingdom Response. And we're going to pause right here, but we'll get back to this message from Jonathan in just a little bit. If you joined us late, have to leave early, or you ever want to go back and listen to a broadcast again, a few different ways you can do that. First, you can get the Encounter the Truth app. It's free. You'll find it at your favorite app store. Just simply look for Encounter the Truth, and that's a great way to stay connected with Jonathan's teaching. You can also listen online. If you come to our website, you can stream the program through your computer or mobile device, or you can download an MP3 for free. Our website address is EncounterTheTruth.org. And whether you listen on the radio, through the app, or through the website, it's your generosity that makes it possible. Your giving allows us to cover things like production cost and airtime and all the things that need to happen behind the scenes to bring you Jonathan's teaching each day. And as you give a gift of any amount this month, we want to send you a set of three books on birth, marriage, and death. They're written by Tim Keller, and they're our thank you gift to you for your support. You can find out more or give online at EncounterTheTruth.org. That's EncounterTheTruth.org, or you could call us at 833-99-TRUTH. Well, we are in Matthew chapter 13 as we get back to our message, True Kingdom Response. Again, here is Jonathan. What does a true response to the message of the kingdom look like? What does it look like to take hold of the kingdom, to enter to belong? What is the nature of an authentic response? Well, here's what it looks like, says Jesus. It looks like recognizing that the kingdom of heaven is the greatest treasure there is. You know, if following Jesus looks to us like a chore, if honoring him feels like a burden, if serving him looks like too great a cost to bear, if all this is wearisome and unappealing in your eyes, here is the reality. You haven't seen the kingdom for what it truly is. You haven't understood what is going on and what is being offered to you. What Jesus offers and what Jesus gives and what Jesus opens up to us, it is at the end of the day, treasure. 
It's the greatest treasure ever found. And if any one of us is to respond rightly and truly and appropriately to Jesus, we need to see and understand that it's treasure. And to see that, to understand it, to internalize it, we actually need to go right back to basics for a moment. We need to go back to gospel essentials. We need to understand the problem of sin. We need to understand the problem of our guilt before God. If we don't see that, actually, none of the rest of this will make any sense. We need to understand that we have all, each one of us, offended God through our actions, through our attitude of heart, our failure to love and honor and obey Him as we ought. We need to see that we stand rightly condemned before Him in our sin. We need to recognize our sheer lostness without Him. We need, frankly, to have a sense of desperation about that, a sense of horror at our sin, a sense of longing for things to be made right. And that's, that's just what Jesus offers us. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation, probably you have, where you've done something in a relationship, a relationship that matters to you a great deal, a relationship with someone you love, and the relationship itself is on the line because of your actions. You know your friend, your loved one, could walk out and just not come back, and, and it might be your fault. And if you've, if you've been there, if you've felt the force of that kind of a thing, just consider that moment of desperation just for a moment, that longing for things to be made right, for the record to be cleared, for the warmth and fellowship and openness to be restored once more. Consider that feeling, that moment. It's not a nice moment, but think of it. At that moment, there's nothing else in the world you want more than restoration. And if you could make things right, you would give up anything and everything, wouldn't you? You'd do anything. Now, that's where we've got to be in our heart of hearts before the Lord to see the true value of what we are offered in the kingdom. What does Jesus offer us? He offers us forgiveness. He offers us a fresh start before the Lord, an escape from the judgment we deserve, an acceptance once more, a welcome home when we don't deserve to be welcomed home. And if we really considered our sin and seen our lostness and felt the force of that awful moment of the brokenness of relationship before God, here is what the offer is to us. It is treasure. It's the most precious thing that can ever be offered, can ever be found, ever discovered. It is the pearl of great price. It is the treasure in the field. But there's more to it than that. You see, the offer of the kingdom, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is not just fixing what is broken in terms of taking away our guilt or patching up the relationship. It's the invitation, ultimately, to paradise. It is becoming the heir of heaven's king, a son of the Father. The eternal kingdom is ultimately, it is a place of beauty 
and of bliss, a place where suffering is banished, where all is restored, where joy and peace will be our only experience because there is nothing else. It's the best that this world can afford minus all corruption and increased imperfection and wonder by a factor we cannot possibly imagine with our finite imaginations. It is life to the full in the presence of the Lord who made us and who loves us and redeemed us. It's treasure. And true response to the kingdom sees that it is treasure. I've mentioned this before, I'm sure I have, but I'm rather fond of the little chorus that Billy Graham's associate used to sing at those big gatherings before he went home to be with the Lord. It's so simple, but I think it expresses something of the sentiment that's here. Maybe you know it. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or land. I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hand than to be the king of a vast domain or be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. I'd rather have Jesus than men's applause. I'd rather be faithful to his dear cause. I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame. I'd rather be true to his holy name. I'd rather have Jesus than anything else. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. Now, the world around us, it doesn't see the kingdom of Jesus Christ as treasure. The people around us, they don't prize his word, honor his person, respect his people. The world around us, well, it treasures the things of this world. The, it's, it's trinkets and its toys, its pomp, and its privileges, its fading glories. But the one who responds rightly to Jesus, it sees, that one sees that the kingdom is treasure in a field. It is the pearl of great price. And seeing that, the person who responds rightly to Jesus sells everything to gain that treasure. So I wonder, friends, do you see the kingdom of Jesus Christ, the offer of forgiveness, the promise of reconciliation with the Father, the inheritance of the saints, the eternal home for the people of God? Do you see it as treasure today? The greatest treasure anywhere to be found. And if you once saw it treasure, if that's the recognition you made at one point in time, do you still see it as such and prize it as such in your heart of hearts? Well, we have to pause the message right there. Jonathan Griffiths here on Encounter the Truth and a message called True Kingdom Response. But we're going to come back and we're going to continue this message on our next broadcast. If you know you can't be by your radio, you can always listen to each and every program online. Come to EncounterTheTruth.org. That's EncounterTheTruth.org. 
Encounter the Truth is a listener-supported broadcast. We do depend on your generosity to keep Jonathan's teaching on this station. And as you give a gift of any amount this month, we want to say thank you by sending you a bundle of books written by Timothy Keller. And uh, Jonathan, in this uh, three-book set, uh, Timothy Keller is taking a look at three significant life milestones. That's right, Steve. These three books on birth, on marriage, on death, give a biblical framework for thinking about these key milestones in life, and I think they're going to be of help to believers who want to gain a deeper understanding of God's perspective, a biblical perspective on these milestones. I think also they'll be of great value to give away to those who don't yet know the Lord, but are trying to understand something of what it means to live in God's world. And they'll make tremendous, tremendous gifts, and and they could be of great use to you if you're someone who's still trying to make sense of the Bible's teaching and of who God is. So we're so glad to be able to make these available this month. Timothy Keller on birth, marriage, and death. This three-book set is what we would love to send you as you give a financial gift of any amount to Encounter the Truth this month. You can find out more or give online by coming to EncounterTheTruth.org or call us at 833-99-TRUTH. That's 1-833-998-7884. Or again, the website, EncounterTheTruth.org. Well, thanks for listening today, and I hope you'll join us next time.